Today is Sunday, November 29th. Happy belated Thanksgiving. I truly wish you all had a great Thanksgiving. My guess was it was better than mine. I'm very, very happy that is over with. I can return to real life here, especially with hosting this show. My favorite time of the week, of course, Sunday morning on CLNS Radio. Happy to be here, per usual. I am Larry H. Russell. Going to be joined by Chris Forsberg of ESPN Boston. And, of course, it's Sunday. There's a Celtics game later tonight in Orlando against the Magic. So for our Boston Celtics pregame segment being brought to you by AmericanFarmersNetwork.com, we will speak with the play-by-play voice of the Orlando Magic, Mr. David Steele of Fox Sports Florida. So a pretty loaded hour here on episode number 133 of Celtics Beat being presented today by Linda and Tick IQ. Want to do some holiday shopping without fear of getting your face knocked in? Well, then don't go to Walmart and head on over to TickIQ.com as well as download their mobile app. T-I-Q-I-Q already has the cheapest tickets for all Boston sports. And now with their mobile app, you can save up to 10% more on tickets to any live event. You can set price alerts to be notified when tickets within your price range become available. As well as see all the top deals for games at the Garden, Gillette, and on the road. They aggregate all ticket sellers on one platform and have the most competitive prices out there. Head to the Apple App Store to download the TickIQ app and start saving today. That is T-I-Q-I-Q. Use the promo code BOSTON. That is promo code BOSTON for 10% off of your first purchase. If you want to attend a game for the Celtics in the near future, you are going to have to wait just a wee bit as they embark on a little roadie here. You heard Mike Gorman on last week's show, which if you missed it, as always, available in our archives at clnsradio.com. And of course, never, ever, ever, Mr. Show by simply subscribing to Celtics Beat on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, SoundCloud, all likes. Mike Gorman was already looking forward to this week in which he specifically mentioned. Celtics head down to Florida, where they were in Orlando tonight, as mentioned. Miami tomorrow, face a good Heat team. Then off to Mexico a little later in the week to face the Kings, and they wrap it up with a borderline throwaway game down in San Antonio at the Alamo Next Saturday night, pretty important for the Celtics on their end to get back on track as they did at the tail end of this Thanksgiving week as this does present a bit of a challenge coming up. And I've stated on this show, I think one of the concrete goals this team should set is to hang around that 500 mark, hopefully north of it until Christmas, which is when they get a little bit of a breather in the schedule. You look, I think it's December 18th. They play the Hawks. Then they have a good stretch of about eight games that they should win Almost all of them, but tough week coming up. Starts tonight in Orlando. As stated, we will have a pregame segment later on in this episode of Celtics Beat with Orlando Magic TV play-by-play voice David Steele to go along with our featured guest with Chris Forsberg of ESPN Boston. So David Steele on our pregame show on Celtics Beat and, of course, the postgame show following tonight's game down in Orlando, which goes live after every game and, of course, the game tonight. The Celtics postgame show on CLNS Radio is the only New England show that airs live after every single Celtics game and allows your voice to be heard. And if you want to call in, not that you have a pen and paper in your hand right now, but 347-215-7771. If you want to say something, if not, feel free to listen. But tonight is the first game in the coming week in which we will learn a lot about this team. We've learned a lot over the first five weeks of the season now. Maybe more, six weeks of the season, but... More so than what we do know, as stated. Pretty important that the Celtics salvage this past week as they did. You go back to that game in Atlanta. Probably could be a good thing that 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 happened to them. They lost in that manner, in the way they did. From every report we read after the game, 
There was a lot of soul searching, but if it wasn't, it wasn't if it's they came out of guns a blazing. By the way, against Philadelphia the next night at home, arguably one of the worst teams in the history of, of the league. It wasn't until what the six minute mark where the home team said to themselves, "Like holy crap, we might lose to the freaking seventy sixers at home." Before they rallied and used a pretty substantial run to pull that one out. But it does seem as if they have gotten out of that little mini rut, which began with what I felt was somewhat predictable. I let my concern be known on last week's show to Mr. Gorman. Somewhat predictable, yet still a despicable loss. And that which uh, to the Nets, that got a little slump going there on Sunday. And in those two terrible, terrible games, the Nets game and, of course, the Hawks game, and even carrying over to the first four-fifths of that Sixers game, You see, the Celtics, the consistency is not there, and that is going to be the theme of this show. I'll discuss it with Chris. I need to have my take as well here. This team, this group, really, this group of its best players and its veterans still does not seem to have a firm grasp on that consistency yet. Remember that word. You're going to hear it a lot. And I had a conversation with CLNS Radio featured columnist Rich Connie in our Facebook group at facebook.com slash CelticsBeat if you would like to join I've said this on prior shows, and I discussed with Rich, and Rich went into further detail. When this team gets down on itself because things just aren't going their way, and of course, when you have a team that still does not have a good group of elite players yet, i.e. the Celtics, that's going to happen and happen at a pretty decent clip. There are some guys that seem to stray from the offensive philosophy, and Rich threw out two names, which I agreed with, that being Evan Turner and Isaiah Thomas. When there's a stretch where the ball is not going in the basket on their end, the other cast of role players are missing some open shots. Well, the basketball has a tendency to stop moving and stick in some players' hands, and some of the veterans are partially to blame for that. They get away from their whole identity, particularly offensively anyway. Some of the guys that Mike Gorman insinuated are at the top of Brad Stevens' chain of command, as he mentioned briefly on last week's show, are far less or seem to be far less inclined to do what they should always set out to do But they can't because of the fear that things aren't going to be going too well. The shots will continue not to fall. The lesser players, which oddly enough, Evan Turner isn't intelligent enough to know he is one of those who falls or should fall out of that category. But some players on this team develop those fears and revert to playing. I think selfish is an extreme word, but individual basketball. And obviously you saw how that hurt the team Sunday Tuesday, definitely, and a little a good portion of Wednesday as well, but it hurts the team long term as well, as this is still about from everything to creating an environment of unselfishness here, and well, to establishing what Brad Stevens, Coach Brad Stevens, wants to do on offense on most nights. That, and of course, the immediate repercussions that despite the frustrations of multiple guys having off shooting nights, of course, us fans don't like seeing that as well. All on the same night, it's still infinitely better. Option seven, eight, 10 out of 10 times than, say, Evan Turner thinking he's Michael Jordan, which, ha, 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 he may jest, but it was one of those jokes that really wasn't a joke. I thought last week that he cracked. Anyways, that's one of the key aspects of what's keeping this team from getting a hold of that consistency, our word of the day, which, as I also mentioned in our Facebook group, that I feel is the next small step that not just this organization, but really this group of players needs to take. And while I think they will, I do think it will just come with some more experience, more of these games, of course, too, getting some better players here. But I think and I hope that's something the Celtics obtain and will do so this season as they accumulate these battle scars and further experience down the line. It's very important because, like I said, it's just not there, comma, 
as of now, dot, 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 as of now. Because once they are able to get that, once they are able to have a belief that runs up and down the roster, mostly up, mostly with the veterans, that there's a belief in the rest of the players in the system. And I think more so offensively, because I do, we all believe they believe in Brad Stevens and, and his coaching and his quote unquote system. They believe in the philosophy when things are going well, but I still think it's fairly obvious that when there's some adversity, when things are not going all too dandy offensively, offensively, defensively, not much of an issue because that's just more of an effort thing, but offensively when things are not going well, there are guys like Turner and Isaiah, yes, I'll agree with Rich Connie here, that have a tendency to drift away from team basketball and take matters into their own hands if they see things are going a little awry. For better or for worse, mostly it is for worse. Defensively, though, like I said, it was probably a good thing. This team got punched in the mouth the way they did down in Atlanta. Woke them up a bit as they responded with back-to-back strong defensive performances. But I think they've done such a good job ingraining this defensive identity into the entire team and really the, the franchise that they can now afford to suffer an injury here and there. Oh, geez, I don't know. Marcus Smart out for a couple weeks here. But Marcus Smart, I mean, or further examples, a Jay Crowder, Avery Bradley. They, I think they could afford to lose one of their defensive stalwarts. Not even, it's not ideal, but I'm saying it's not going to cripple them. Those players have done such a good job really setting examples and carrying out the coaching stats, schemes. They've made that part of being a Celtic so you're seeing such a commitment 1-12 to 12, through everyone on this roster, be it even the worst defensive players on the team, not to name names. So now Smart's out and will be out for a while, which is an issue in its own right. Fans have a right to be frustrated that a young player is injured again. Anyways, team standpoint, though, because this team's identity is of a mindset and not of an individual player, they can actually survive an injury or two in my eyes, to anyone, anybody on this team, every everything will, won't be cooking. But even if they lost, say, Isaiah Thomas, I think they'd be able to handle it for a couple weeks. Smart, they've lost him multiple times now, and they're still hanging around. Sullinger, we know that one's coming. Anyone, they've set themselves up pretty well here. So it's good to see the Celtics. They have that part down. They'll need it. But now it's about fortifying some mental blocks, particularly in the adverse situations offensively. That will allow this team to make another step. If you want sort of numbers, talk about it in a concrete sense, even though that's not entirely what it is about, I think in my eyes that very well could be the difference in this team being a 40-43 to 43 win 7 seed, which I think is pretty much what they are now and what they were last year, to making that little small step forward and maybe be a team that challenges for the division and can win 45-48 games. Really, I really do think that's the case. If they can just put it together and be able to handle some adverse situations on the offensive end that in and night out and have more of a belief and a commitment every single night. So that way there aren't some of these mishaps, ahem, ahem, last Sunday against Brooklyn. That is going to, I think, prevent this team, really, because, I mean, I, I do think we are going to see this team. I feel like there is a run in them this season where they are going to you know rip off something like 13 to 15. That's a little much. 13 to 17 games, but... If you see them win two games and they have a bad loss, I still think we will see a run. It'll just be a little bit later down the line. But if you're waiting for our guest, Chris Forsberg, you don't have to wait for that. That is coming up right now. 
Our interview with Chris is brought to you by Harry's. Wake up to Harry's, a better way to shave with cost-effective razors and products designed to give you the highest quality shaving experience possible. Say goodbye to money going down the drain with utterly absurd arm and leg prices for drugstore razor blades and say hello. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, but likely good morning to the smoothest shave you will have for a minuscule fraction, not just a fraction, but a minuscule fraction of the price. Start shaving and saving today. Simply sign up for an account with harrys.com and get a Truman set, which is Harry's starters kit for $10, which includes a razor, shaving cream or gel, and one month's worth of blades for, again, all of $10. I cannot endorse Harry's enough. I personally use their razors every single morning. Of course, as you know, if you watch Unfiltered, on my neck, but I get the smoothest shave possible using the Truman set at harrys.com, all for $10. How do you get it for $10? Simply mention Celtics upon checkout. And another catch, if you do not love your first shave, return it to Harry's for a full refund. But again, Truman set. Mention Celtics upon checkout and get a Truman set Harry starters kit for $10. You cannot lose here. You'd be invincible. It's an automatic win. Unlike, say, the Celtics, a team you cannot put wins in the bank for, or even losses for that matter. Very, very unpredictable team. But Chris Forsberg, ESPN Boston, welcome back to CLNS Radio. Most importantly, first time with me hosting. Happy to have you here. All right, question of the day, right? The blandest of them all. Are they back on track after that horrific start to the week? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, you you wonder coming off that that 76ers win, you you don't get much confidence out of that one. But I guess the, the you know they tried to focus on the on what they could of positive, and that's the last six minutes where they hadn't really won a close game this year. You think about all their wins; they've been lopsided, and you know the bench has been on the floor at the end of games. Uh, I thought it was important that this team learn how to win and. You need to learn how to win against teams other than the 76ers, but beggars can't be choosers. So after dropping those two games earlier in the week, I think the Celtics were uh, just happy to, to find a way to win that game. And then, I don't know, like Wizards are uh, are not a good-looking team right now, And uh, but same situation. Like you can't worry about what's going on on the other side. I think the, the encouraging thing from the Celtics' perspective is that they went out there and probably for the first time all year, as Brad Stevens alluded to, played – a 48-minute game from start to finish and, and didn't let that lead slide when they started building it earlier and pushed it up to 38. And the fans are doing the wave. and uh, So that's a good little momentum builder heading out on the road now, and, and we'll see how they fare on this uh, five-game trip. It's still very, very tough to judge this team on a game-by-game basis because of the youth on this team. It seems if it's a hindrance almost in preventing the consistency. That really is, I think, the next step that this team, or there's really this group of players need to take. I mentioned in the opening that, and I have my own theory where, obviously, I've said this on prior shows a lot, but since the Celtics roster is made up of a lot of players who are capable, but they aren't guys who you can count on every single night, there's just no way to predict in those nights where they're going to get contributions, you know, from maybe one or two guys, and that isn't enough to beat any team league sans Philadelphia. What do you think is more of an issue? Is it that, or is it the youth? And hopefully with maturity, they'll be able to string some quality basketball together for an extended period of time. Because to me, that's looking like the next step that this group of players can make. Sure. You know what? I I was talking to Danny Ainge earlier this week, and and what I thought was really interesting was he said, this is Brad's toughest year in terms of having to coach. And I'm thinking, last year you gave him 41 roster players, 11 trades, and now this is supposed to be his toughest challenge, but it's just sort of like to what you said, 
he, you don't know what this rotation is going to be on a night-to-night basis because it's no one's really distinguished themselves. Maybe aside from you know Jared Sollinger and obviously Bradley and and uh, the guards are are going to be the, what they are when they're healthy, but. Um, everybody else is sort of in, in this constant state of flux. Like if, if you told me a week from now that Tyler Zeller is back in the rotation and playing 20 minutes a game, I might believe you because you just don't know on a night-to-night basis what, what these guys are going to give you. I think eventually you will. I, mean, I don't know when that will come, or, and, and Brad has, has hinted that there might just come a time when he says, okay, we've got to shorten the rotation to nine, and these are the nine guys we're going with. Or maybe he keeps it loose for a little while longer and tries to let these guys sort of uh, uh, separate themselves. But I, I, I agree. It's, it's, it's the tough part is that, um, you know, on a night-to-night basis, I don't know if he looks down that bench and says, okay, you know, tonight tonight we go give RJ a shot. Or it, It's just tough for him to, 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 to sort of lock in that rotation. I, you think about Friday night, they shorten it a little bit. Kelly doesn't come into the game until the, until the start of the second quarter. Uh, RJ didn't get in until later in the game in the, in once it had been decided. Uh, I think they understand there's a value in, you know, saying, okay, guys, you know, here's, you're the nine we're going with tonight, and, and maybe they do that more often moving forward until they uh, figure this thing out. How else can the team really develop such chemistry? Because we are talking about how the players aren't capable. But if I even go back to what I initially brought up about the youth on this team, I mean, all year I've had, I mean, I usually don't like to predict games on air, and I think there's a reason for it. I look like a complete moron if I did. I think I've only <laughs> predicted, like, four games correctly all year. Like, if you look at the schedule, like, I mean, I think just the obvious, the two Sixers games and then the Spurs game, you predict that, that they'll lose that one. But, like, the nights, like, it's like, yeah, Milwaukee, they never really play well there, and then they go in there and they crush them, and then they come back and they're home against Indiana, and it's like – oh, well, they should be able to get that one. It's a revenge game, and they lay an absolute egg in that game. Mm-hmm. Is it really have to do with the youth on the team and it just hopefully where the team, if they get some battle scars and even more experience, that they'll be able to have the right mindset going into these games night in and night out? Yeah, I was going to say, like, I agree. You know, it's funny. I actually, was, I was listening to you and Gorman last week, and I was shuffling because – uh, I think Mike jinxed him. He said something like, you know. Oh, Mike he, he, jinxed him. He, I, I, as soon as he meant, he's like, I go, I, guess I, I told him, I was like, you know, Mike, I'm a little worried about this game tonight. Just he goes, oh, there's no way they're going to lose this game. I'm like, uh-oh. I love Gorman. He is the best. But it was funny because he said, you know, the one thing you can count on with this team is that they're going to go out there and play 48 minutes of consistent defense. And then for two games five. in a row, they played about four minutes of of consistent defense. Now there's something certainly to be said for not having Marcus smart. And, and I think they, they were trying to figure that out. I mean, it, they're just, a, they are a different team without him. I don't know how you, you, you fix that because he, he can't really just find someone else with that energy and that tenacity and sort of who, who sets the tone. I mean, Crowder and Bradley can do it for you a little bit, but uh, it's just a different level. And Marcus just gives you so much versatility. Uh, and I think that's going to help. Like if they can get Avery and Marcus healthy and, and firm up that rotation and get Isaiah back coming off the bench, or if you decide to go with uh, Avery off the bench, whatever you want to do, uh, that, that will help. That continuity will help. I don't, I don't know if it's a young thing, you know, like th- these guys were mostly together last year at the end of last season. You know, a big part of that second half run was the fact that this this team figured out how to win close games. I do think they're maybe starting over a little bit. And I don't know why that is. I, I feel like they're kind of they have to uh, maybe just remind themselves how to win those close games and and re- remember that you know they can't act like a young team. You know, it, it, maybe that's just going to take time. But I guess the one thing you have confidence in is is Brad is going to be able to identify those things and and try to get this get this team on track. They just 
need more experience in closer games, which which sounds ridiculous. But I mean, you know, if, if when you're playing five point with the last five minutes to go, those things are just going to become natural. And right now, they you know they're getting to sit on the sideline and do the wave. It's, it it it'll, it'll that will sort itself out moving forward. No, I agree with you entirely on that close games thing. That's sort of the natural progression of a young team that makes almost throughout NBA history. And eventually, if you mean if you do, if you are keep winning, you're eventually just going to sort of figure out how to win those close games. And hopefully, you just keep going going forward. And of course, also too down the line, you like to get another player or two in here that is that exceeds during that point of ball games. Which the Celtics still, I guess you can say Isaiah Thomas is that, but that's sort of really the only guy. But I really want to talk, too, about Marcus Smart because you brought him up with the injuries. I also have to make really a point with the injuries before I sort of get on Smart for missing more time. I, I think one of the, the good things that I've noticed thus far this season, and it was funny how you mentioned Gorman. I remember talking to Gorman before the season how I think this team can survive an injury to almost anyone on the roster not named Isaiah Thomas. And now I actually think this team could literally survive 15, you know, 15 games at Isaiah Thomas. Where, they, where I say they will not miss a beat, no – but because they've done such a good job establishing defense as the identity of this team, it's not going to devour their season if Smart misses time here and there, if Thomas misses time here and there, Bradley, Crowder, etc. because the, this team has made up so much of that defensive mindset. Well, they, but they got to do it out, and, and this is what Brad always says, is, you know, even when they were with that, that, that fleeting weekend where they led the league, in defensive rating, and we sort of all jumped on it and said, like, look, the Celtics are the number one defense in the league. You know, he's like, well, you got to bring it every night. And then they did it against Brooklyn. I think they slid right to number four. And, you know, listen, they're still a top five defense, and that's still a, a commendable thing. But they, they really do have to find that intensity on a night-to-night basis. I, I mean, you know, it sort of speaks to what you were saying about being young, too. I think they need, the, they need to have it at the start of games because when they don't come out of the gates with that intensity, the other team sort of jumps them. It feels like this team is is really struggles to play from behind for whatever reason. It's, maybe that's just that they they haven't been in that position a whole lot, but that they they seem to just like get on their heels and all of a sudden like they get tight and they start settling for long jumpers. And when those don't fall, like their offense isn't consistent enough to to will themselves back. But I agree, like defense has to be what they what they do this on. And and I don't know if uh, I think the smart injury, you know, it, it was the obvious. What, way to point when they're losing those games and you say, well, they can't get by without him. But then, like you said, they go out there against the, the Wizards and they look good on Friday. So um, they've just got to figure out a way to, to make sure that everyone buys in. And they, there's going to be times where they're going to have to mask Isaiah when teams try to go at him. And uh, I think they've done a pretty good job of that. I think if you look at Isaiah's, even his individual numbers, they've been pretty good. They've, I mean, David Lee came with the reputation of not being a good defender and his numbers have been great. So, it, 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 they're definitely buying in. They're definitely trying to finally get to, to where Brad won. I mean, I can remember when Brad first got here and he was sort of talking about that defensive DNA and challenging his team that, that first half of the year to want to be a top 10 defense and like things fell apart then. But uh, it's neat to see that they've, they've sort of uh, taken on the identity of, uh, of their coach and, and, and see if they can, if they can maintain that defensive uh, intensity every night. And they're at least going to give themselves a chance. And that's really all I can ask for with the young team. I've always been of the argument that defense can be contagious. And you mentioned how David Lee is playing, I mean, enough defense for him. And you can just sort of use that as an example where if you have guys that just are that tenacious every single night, it just sort of spreads to the rest of the team. Sort of if you have guys staying a little extra longer in practice than other guys will, that's just sort of almost human nature. And defense is, is sort of that one thing. And it also has a lot to do, obviously, with the consistency of this team night in and night out. I mean, I keep just really bringing it up, but I really feel that that is the next step for this group to take because if they can just 
ugh, they can just hang around all 500 till Christmas. It seems like they can go on a run. I still want to hang around on this smart injury, though. He's missing time again. I guess it's just it's not the best thing to bring this up. But I am a little frustrated as a fan that he's missing time again, and he's only 20 years old. I know this injury was, we think, was based on a collision. Does this, is it beginning to concern you that someone who's 19, 20, 21 now has had multiple times over the course of the last year and a half where he's missed multiple games in a row? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously you worry the same way you worried about Avery when you know both his shoulders popped out and he had the ankle before he even got drafted, and uh, you know you, you start to wonder if these guys just can't stay healthy. And I think you look at both and you say, well, they both play pretty aggressively. Is that the reason they're getting injured? I mean, you look at it with Smart. Uh, first, it was the ankle, and that was just he kind of stepped on a guy's foot wrong. But then he had the Achilles, which was probably an offshoot of it dislocates his fingers diving on the ground in summer league. Then he's got a calf. And, yeah. You know, I mean, like I mean, the it's, toe. <laughs> it's, I mean, like, it, it's, it's a little it, much. It, it is. And, you're and, 20 years old. That's the thing. Your body should be a well-oiled machine when you're that age. <laughs> well, and I think, but the Celtics are stressing that to them. And, and, and I, th- I, I think, you know, one of the things Danny Age was saying was that these young guys, they need to learn how to really kind of protect their bodies and, and take that preventative maintenance in the, in the weight room and make sure that they, avoid these things. Now, when I look at Smart's injury history, I say, okay, stepped on a guy's foot, dove on the floor. Maybe you could, maybe you say he could, he shouldn't be diving on the floor in summer league. I don't know. I kind of like that. He's, he's going all out, even if it's a meaningless exhibition, the knee bump. I mean, these aren't things where if they were all non-contact injuries or something, I'd be concerned that there, there's a pattern there, but they're all sort of fluky stuff. So I'll give him the benefit of the doubt and just say he's had a bad go his first, you know, season plus here. Uh, but you do want to, they got to figure out a way to, to either tell them, you know, and maybe that's going and seeking out Avery. Like, I don't, I don't necessarily think Avery's downshifted his intensity, but I just think maybe he knows there's a, there's a line you straddle in terms of making sure you can keep yourself healthy. And obviously Avery playing, I think career high 77 games last year. I mean, that's encouraging. This was a guy who we didn't think was going to be able to stay on the court either. So, uh, if those two guys can sort of work together and, and figure that out, I think maybe they can. He can help guide Marcus along. Uh, as the Celtics have said, it, 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 at least none of these injuries have required surgery yet, so that's a good thing. But the, the, the long-term success of this team, especially if it's going to be a defensive team, is, is greatly aided by having Marcus Smart on the court. They're just again a different team. I think they're more they're more fun to watch, and that's what I could just keep going back to. Once again, he has a play where 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 you kind of like you know slap your head because he's diving into the crowd and throwing in a three pointer or diving between someone's legs to chase down a loose ball. Uh, they they need to figure out a way to to keep him on the court. And of course, if you do really want to talk about injuries, I know the guy's playing very well, and I actually thought this would be the case earlier in the year, but you do have to watch Jared Sullinger. So I'm kind of. <laughs> Really, people are people are still worked up about about Jared. It's when I it's when I talk about him because that's when I start talking about how you should be eating grass fed organic steaks and get your healthy protein and yada 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 and eat low carb etc. And we'll just say how dare you. So, but you wrote a very interesting column that I actually discussed about on our unfiltered show earlier in the week, and I would I would love to link um, our listeners, but you only write about seventy columns a day, so you're really going to have to. Dig in there. Yeah, dig in there and find it. You're just going to have to take my word for it. And it really actually goes back to, I believe it was written, it was I think maybe the Saturday after the Nets win, how the fans were chanting about the draft picks and everything. And you were just talking about how this team 
how the fan base, at least, shouldn't really – the story should be more so about this group of Celtics, how it's, you know, it's taken on the identity of their coach, et cetera. They're overachievers, essentially, more than it is about that Nets pick. Do you feel, uh, care to further elaborate – more on that piece as you did last Saturday, which ran on ESPN Boston. Sure. You know, I, I just get this sense, and, and, and I usually use my group, close group of friends as sort of the, uh, uh, I don't know, microcosm. They speak for, uh, yeah, they speak yeah. for Celtics Nation. Like three people speak for whatever it is, six million Facebook likes on, on uh, Celtics. So we'll call them six million fans, three out of six million. Exactly. So we have this like little group chat, and but they're season ticket holders. They're like diehard Celtics fans, and I, I, so I, I use them for the for the temperature of the team. And all I know is that every night, we, you know, someone will invariably send out a, a text that says, you know, Nets lost, and then there's all these like you know s- celebratory gifts that follow up, and you know everyone's really excited about the pick. And I'll say, well, they just beat the Wizards by 20, and it's like you know silence. And so I just feel like. Everyone seems to love the idea of what the future could be, you know, of, of what the this magical top draft pick could do and, and where it could take this team. But they're so blinded by what might become of this team that they're not watching actually what is happening. And I, I don't think Celtics fans are, are, are that. It can't balance it, right? Like, I think some people can genuinely enjoy this team and also have some fun. With, with waiting for the draft pick. I just think there need, it just felt like, especially coming off the, the win over the Nets, that there was so much of a focus on the pick instead of how well this team was playing. And they, hey, they brought it right back down to earth and, and you know, maybe, maybe people should be more excited about the pick, but I do think that the way this team is playing with the way the East is all kind of muddied up and, you know, teams are better, but it seems like everyone's nine and seven at this point. And, you know, it's going to be fun. And it's, 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 it's interesting to see, you know, when, when Brad Stevens first route, I sort of circled year three, I said, you know, he's going to go through the first year where he's going to learn second year. He's going to kind of figure things out and, and try to, you know, get a roadmap for how to be a, a contender. And then maybe in year three, he'll have the parts to, to do something. I don't know. If, I still don't know if he has the parts to, to be a, a, a true contender, but he's at least got enough to get back to the playoffs and, and who knows what happens in the East if you can avoid the Cavs for a little while. So I just think people should put a, a heavier focus on this year's team and, it, and embrace the team and enjoy that. And sure, you look at the Nets pick and say, hey, that could be great. Same way you should be looking at the, the, the Dallas pick and the Minnesota pick. Oh, no, 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 no. It, really? it, I don't think it holds. I mean, you see, I think what you said was very political, and I actually wrote a column about that. It's a very political thing to say, like, wow, look at these Celtics go. They're overachieving. It's, you know, it's a very fun season. They may even win around in the playoffs if everything goes that way. But I wrote about this, and I, I, I used a game. I used it on the Unfiltered Show. I put in my column. Let's say the Celtics have as, as, as bad of a season as they possibly could have, right? 38 wins, I think, is about as low as I think this team could go. And that would be a letdown, say they missed the playoffs. And say behind door number two is 45 wins. And maybe even they win around in the playoffs. What would send this into euphoria more where we'd be complimenting Danny Ainge forever and ever. All it would take simply is the Nets getting them one pick. If the Celtics guys had like a, a terrible of a season as they could have and you say, my God, the, the Magic's worn off Brad Stevens, but they get the number one pick, it's like, oh my God, you book it, championships, draft TJ Hoosman-Zode, etc. But the, the counter argument to that is it's like a little kid sitting there in January and saying, you know, my birthday's great. I get a lot of good stuff for my birthday. 
but Christmas, man, Christmas is going to be the day. And so the little kid just doesn't care about his birthday until, you know, just waiting for, for the Xbox to arrive on Christmas. You know, it, it, I understand, but there's also a ton of probability that goes into whether he's going to get that Xbox. Like what the Nets have no incentive to tank and they might be bad enough where they just end up in the basement no matter what. But there's a far more likely chance that teams like Philadelphia and the Sixers and there'll be a, a swarm of others who have an injury and just give up and wave a flag. Meanwhile, the Nets are going to have every incentive to keep playing and, and, and really just, you know, needle Boston at the mercy of ping pong balls. I actually want to sort of delve into your little discussions with your secret magical Chris Forsberg-like group of season ticket holders. <laughs> I, I actually – I do the same thing. I speak to many season ticket holders as well, of course – that being myself, I have plenty of Richard Nixon-like conversations with myself because I am a season ticket holder. But I know Mike Rotundi heavily listens to this show every single week. Mike, if you're listening, hello. How are you? But it's interesting. I always – I mentioned this again on Unfiltered, too, back on the show. It's interesting to see the dichotomy between how the media looks at the team and its future as well as the fans. I think the fans still generally feel pretty good, and I think fans still feel pretty good based upon – the prospects of that Nets pick. But when I read, like, beat reporters, and I'm not calling out you, but if I read a lot of stuff from, you know, say the Celtics media or even the alternative websites, people are just so generally excited. And also, like, if they lose a game, like when they lost to the Nets last Sunday, there were, the excuses were already ready. Oh, well, it's really hard to beat a team two times in a row. And I'm just, like, screaming that, like, no, that was an atrocious loss. We have every right in the world to be ticked off. How would you sort of find a way to separate really how the media looks at the team where I think it's very rosy, whereas the fans, I think, I don't want to say it's lukewarm, but it's a little closer to lukewarm than, say, uh, the way the media looks at it is. Sure. And I, I just think, I think it's tough. And I, I'll say I personally struggle at times trying to, to straddle that line because, you know, I also think about what do people want to read. And I think that you can fall into a trap of just being overly negative and overly critical and you know, you could find plenty of stuff to nitpick about this team. You could knock, you know, something like Jonas Durepko can't make a shot right now, or, you know, why can't James Young get on the floor? And I mean, you could focus on all that, but, and I know people, there, there are definitely fans that, that, that worry about that and gripe about that, but I think you got to sort of always try to take a little bit of a step back and look at it from the, maybe the 10,000 foot view and, you know, try to, try to, Try to find what what I guess I try to find what what people are are resonate what resonates with people what what is most what I always try to right after a game I say what is the one thing someone's going to be talking about tomorrow like if you go to the water cooler what is the first thing you're going to talk to your to your your friend about and you know something like the Nets game it probably is like hey this is a bad loss and I I don't think anyone tries to sugarcoat it I mean it's a terrible terrible loss like that should never happen especially with the motivation that the Celtics had. Um, but you know, so yeah, you got, you got to balance it, but you also have to look at the game for what it was and, and try to find like, was, was it legitimately just the Celtics were terrible or was, was there something that the Nets did? Um, you don't want to totally take it away from them and, and put it on the Celtics. So it, it, it's definitely a, a, a balance. I will say the comment section of any website tends to keep you in line and, uh, uh, watchdogs like yourself will always make sure that. The media uh, focuses on what they should be focusing on. I, I just think, again, when I look at the Celtics as a whole, I just think there's more encouraging. I think it's what they're doing. Like, I mean, imagine covering a team like the 76ers. Like, I don't know how you spin a positive story off of that. 
But the fact that the Celtics sort of went in the opposite way with, with the way they rebuild and the, the fact that they've done it differently than a lot of teams, I think that that probably just genuinely leads to more positive than negative. But yeah, it's, it's a balance. Listen, I don't think there's a, there's any, there's any way to, 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 to properly know when you're doing too much or too little, but you just gotta, you gotta try. I, I love calling it the green Kool-Aid. Like I chug it at, at times and you just gotta figure out, you know, make sure you're not just swimming in it. It's odd. I think the new push now, see back in the nineties and early two thousands when this was dominated by talk radio and, or the media was and all these talk shows, it was, I thought it was a little too overly negative. Now where you see nowadays, I think it's a little too overly positive in the media because it's almost like this obsession of trying to get a scoop and trying to get, you know, access to certain players. And you don't want to be that guy that's ripped away on the team. So that's why I think, you know, you see the fans, they seem to have, it's odd. Usually it's the other way around the media sort of plays as the quellers of, of certain situations, but it's more so now the fans seems like they're giving a little bit like a different aspect than they did say 15, 20 years ago. I can see that, but what would you nitpick about this team right now? Like, what would, what scathing article would you write about? No, this no, no, right now, no, not at all. But I, I only use that example, and I really that, that sort of came to my mind really, like I said, after that Nets game, where I was saying to myself, I said before the game, I was like, listen, they can't lose any of these four games. If I see one excuse yeah. made for the Celtics in the media after this Nets game, I'm going to lose my mind. And sure enough, I'm not naming sure names, enough. but there no. was, boy, it's really tough to beat a team two times. I'm like, oh, you jack. <laughs> But no, and, I, and listen, I'm the, I, I, I love my, the people I work with. I, I, I think we all sort of, especially when the immediate groundswell is maybe in one direction, you maybe try to pull people back a little bit. And I don't know if you don't, it's not so much devil's advocate, but you just try to, uh, again, maybe step back and take the big picture. Look, like is one loss is it, to the Nets really the end of the world? No, because the Nets are going to win some random games during the year, and it's going to affect their draft position no matter what. You, can't, you can only control 5% of their schedule. It's still a bad loss. It should still never happen. But in the grand scheme of things, it's not, not a huge thing. That doesn't exonerate the Celtics for going out and losing that game. There is no reason, especially when you beat them by 20 the two nights before, for that to happen. Uh, I just think it, you know if, if if people are throwing their TVs out their window, it's probably not the probably not the right idea. But uh, you know, if, I wonder what would have been worse. What would have been worse, losing to the Nets because of the pick, or losing to the Sixers? The Nets, because of the pick. <laughs> right? Because of the pick. But I, again, there's just such probability. No, so I'm assuming you're in the the boat that if if they if, would you ever trade the pick during the season? No, I actually brought that up as the focal point of our discussion with Jeff Goodman on a Celtic Speed podcast a few weeks ago, as well as Tom Westerholm on Unfiltered at the Coolidge Corner Clubhouse. And I generated this topic because it came from a discussion in which I personally had with one of the owners of the team, and he told me point blank, "Listen, that pick should be off the table in all trade talks if I had my way." Which, of course, again. Asterisks, no fantasies like LeBron or Anthony Davis in play or other top 10 NBA players for that matter. But to answer your question and to repeat what I said to Jeff Goodman also of ESPN here a few weeks ago, God, no, I would not consider trading the pick in this current environment, this current landscape. No, there's no one out there at this present moment that's worth sacrificing that pick for. I, I can see that line of thought is that there's not going to be an elite caliber player that will come available that would make you think, you know, we should trade this pick. And you've got other assets that you can move if, if someone of a lesser degree becomes available. But I do think if, you know, I think we all use DeMarcus as the, as the example. And obviously there's different issues there because of, of his temperament and, 
and all that. But if, if a top 10 player became available, you would not move the pick for them? If he became available, but there's not one in sight, like on the horizon whatsoever. Right, right. And so that's the problem. So I think that's Major the problem. one thing. The, the, yeah, and that and that's the unfortunate thing is that the Celtics have gotten themselves to a point where they've collected all these assets. Now you're, try, you're looking to cash in, and it's just it's just not the buyer's market right now. But we, as I think we know, that tends to change in a heartbeat. And I don't know if it will or not, but you know, at least you got a GM who is who is patient enough to sort of wait that out. And, and hey, worst case scenario, you hold on to your pick, you take a chance with your ping pong balls, and you figure it out from there. But um, I, I, I think if you're a Celtics fan, you're probably looking around the league and hoping some more teams than not maybe combust and and open up some other options and, and figure it out. Good positive way with a seed of a question to get you out of here. Chris Forsberg, ESPN Boston. You can follow Chris on Twitter at ESPN Forsberg. I think it's the very first time me and you did that together. I feel like we've had you on the show, but not with me here. So it's almost like that never happened, I guess. I, we should do it again then. We, we, mean, will. Like, we will. We will. Let's do it again. Yes, I'm sure we will. Although, Jesus, we have people banging on down the door to be on this show. But we will definitely do it again, Chris. Thank you very much for joining us. Okay, got to break very briefly. But on the other end, we will have our pregame show with... David Steele, television play-by-play announcer for the Orlando Magic. Don't go anywhere. Cruise back to the 80s on the first ever 80s cruise. That's right. Seven days in the most radical party to ever hit the high seas with a totally awesome lineup of artists that define the sound of the decade. Join Huey Lewis in the News, Richard Marks, Starship, Cool in the Gang, A Flock of Seagulls, Modern English, Naked Eyes, Tiffany, Wang Chung, and Jesse's Girl, the ultimate 80s party band, and the original MTV VJs, Nina Blackwood, Mark Goodman, and Alan Hunter. As we cruise to exotic ports of core like Grand Turk, San Juan, St. Thomas, and the private island of Half Moon Key, we're going all out by building an 80s video game arcade with Donkey Kong, Mario Brothers, and of course Pac-Man, showing movies like Ferris Bueller and Pretty in Pink, and there'll even be a VJ contest. Don't forget to pack your best 80s looks because we're having a prom night, a movie costume party, pajama party, and neon beach party. You can't miss this. Sailing from February 28th through March 6th, 2016 for the most gnarly vacation ever. For more information, log on to the80scruise.com or call 844-384-8080. By the way, special announcement I need to make on this. I actually had to cancel my steak and egg Sunday today. I am still going to work on my Thanksgiving leftovers. Still have a bunch of spare meat. I think it's, I think it's breast meat. I know I have a leg. I got a real good cert- size certified organic turkey from American Farmers Network. So I know the audience was just dying to hear that, that I'm still trying to finish off my Thanksgiving turkey. That's why I put that out there. So that's really my primary goal upon uh, completion of this show today so feel free to pass along your thanksgiving food adventures to get even with me but there is a game tonight Celtics are down in orlando to face the magic game tips off just after 6 p.m here on the east coast and should be over just in time for you to catch that patriots game tonight on sunday night football i say i don't make predictions on this show i will here because i can't be held accountable for it because this is a Celtics show but I actually think the Patriots are going to drop this one tonight. Don't care if it's Osweiler. Boy, is it going to be tough for them to move the ball with that skeleton crew they have got on offense. And it's in Denver. Freaking Patriots never win in Denver. I think they're like 3-15 and 15 in Denver in my lifetime or something awful. So I had to get that out there. But it is time to rock and roll with our Boston Celtics Orlando Magic pregame segment brought to you by American 
FarmersNetwork.com. Thanksgiving is in the books, and now the countdown to Christmas is on, and the time to plan is now. Forget the games. Holiday dinners are the backbone of all family get-togethers, and if you want to treat your guests to the best, then it can be not suggested enough. Get your meat from AmericanFarmersNetwork.com. You will not find anything more delicious than that of American Farmers Network. Why? Simple. AFN's family ranchers raise and harvest their animals on small family farms, meaning their animals are treated with the utmost care, being fed USDA-certified organic diets while living humane lifestyles. Take my word for it. You must experience the difference between eating meat not raised in industrial farms that you're likely to find at your local grocery store. American Farmers Network's beef is 100% grass-fed, giving it that tender taste and riveting flavor. Most importantly, a cascade of nutrients available in one of nature's purest superfood, pasture-raised meat. Don't wait long. Holiday sales are taking place now on AmericanFarmersNetwork.com. And here's to good health. And here's to our guest, David Steele, play-by-play voice of the Orlando Magic, Fox Sports, Florida. David, we've spoken to you many times before, be it for magazine pieces I've done or just talking shop, but I believe this is your maiden voyage, so welcome into Celtics Beat. Yeah, it's good to be here. We've got an interesting game tonight here at uh, the Amway Center, don't we? We do, we do. I find it very interesting in that both teams feel as if they should win this game, both these teams, so that I think is probably going to be the most intriguing storyline going into this game tonight, if there was one. But talking about the Magic here, I remember speaking with you last year, pretty much around the same time, and the Magic, like this year, had gotten off to a fairly nice start in relative terms. And one of the things you mentioned to me was the progression they made, particularly on the road, where two years ago they had won just four road games all year. And I think they matched that almost right off the bat last year. They got off the snide very early and had a pretty solid start. And then things went off the rails a little bit. Now the Magic, once again, pretty good start to this season. They're 8-8, eight and eight, and that was with an 0-3 start, no less. Do things feel a little bit different this time around as opposed to last year, where, as stated, they really came undone after mid-December? Yeah, it feels a lot different. It really does. Um, and I think the difference is uh, is in the, the head coach. Scott Skiles has turned uh, Orlando into a team that has an identity. Um, we've seen it consistently through the first 16 games. Um, it's, it's a team that focuses on playing solid defense. They play with great effort. And um, they've been in pretty much every game, even the, the losses. There have been some very close losses, a double overtime loss to Oklahoma City. Um, a one-point loss to Washington, an overtime loss at Houston. So even the losses have been very competitive. It, it does have a different feel to it this year. That's what I've sort of noticed from the Magic from afar, and I'm looking at this obviously from afar as opposed to you who see them on a day-by-day basis. But it seems like they've done a pretty good job developing consistency, and that's sort of one thing that a young team wants. I've talked about this all show regarding the Celtics. I don't think the Celtics have that. But when I look at with the Magic, it looks like it's pretty evident that they have it because they're winning a lot of games that they should win. It doesn't seem like they have like a signature win yet, albeit we're 16 games into the year. But I talk about this in the opening with the Celtics, you know, whereas with Boston, they have some good wins, but they have some wretched losses. It's a pretty much a 180 with Orlando. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, the, probably the best win for the Magic uh, was at home against Toronto. They came in um, undefeated. Um, Orlando handed Toronto its first loss of the year. Um, you know, the Raptors are, are a solid team. I think they're one of the top four teams in the Eastern Conference probably. Um, so that's probably the best win. But you're right. It's been a fairly consistent effort. Um, it's not a, you know, it's a flawed team. I, you know, there's no star. There's nobody that you know you're going to throw the ball to when you need a basket at the end of a shot clock or at the end of a close game. So, uh, you know, that, that definitely is something that is going to 
probably keep the magic from moving to an elite level anytime too soon. But uh, there are a lot of young players that are beginning to find their way in the NBA and sort of like the Celtics, you know, building uh, through young talent and then adding in a few veterans here and there that have really helped uh, kind of stabilize the situation. So it's, uh, I think on any given night, it's a dangerous team. For the first time in three years, you feel like when the game is, when the ball's tipped up on any given night, uh, the magic could, could be just about anybody in the league. You mentioned Scott Skiles a little bit earlier. Do you think he has a lot to do with that, with that consistency, as he is known for being such a disciplinarian? Yeah, and it's not just disciplinarian. I mean, I think that that might be a little that that term might be a little overblown when it comes to Skiles. What he does is um, he puts in a defensive system and he holds players accountable. And uh, when they don't perform and they don't do what they're supposed to do, then they earn a spot over on the bench next to him, and the next guy goes in and. You know, you you know, you you look for the right combination of guys that are, that are going to do what he wants them to do. So they really bought in. That's part of it. You know, the players have to accept being coached, and uh, they really have been very receptive of uh, of what Scott has been preaching. So, um, we, you know, two nights ago, uh, the Magic beat Milwaukee, and uh, Scott was the coach of the Bucks uh, back in uh, like 2005, 2004 through 2008. His first year in Milwaukee, their team jumped from. 30th uh, in defense to 15th in his first year. Um, so far this season, the Magic have gone from 27th in defensive efficiency last year and uh, going into the game against Milwaukee on Friday night or 12th in defensive efficiency. So there, uh, there is a track record there with Skiles. His teams do tend to play much better defensively right out of the, right out of the gate. I think that's really always been the case historically with coaches like that. And Skiles has had a lot of good success with young teams, particularly you mentioned Milwaukee. I look at really his work in Chicago. There have been, you know, historical examples as you move on and guys get a little older that they do have a tendency to sort of tune out that type of coaching. But, hey, as we know in pretty much coaching in all professional sports, it seems like almost every single coach in, in all pro sports, unless your name is like Bill Belichick or something, have a shelf life and whatnot, and you mentioned talking about that defensive identity because that's obviously a lot what the Celtics are doing. Is there really is that the team aspect that the Magic can count on every night, or is there an individual for that for that matter? Like I feel like that's where the Celtics are in that aspect. Like say Evan Fournier has a breakout season, although I mean the one could argue you know against his efficiency or Alfred Payton. He's had one of the better games of his young career back in that win against Milwaukee. But then, look, he's shooting 38%. Is there any real rock that there's there for the Magic as a player? Or is it, like I said, a team thing, like you know, using their size to bully teams down low or that defense that's hopefully there every night for them? No, it, it really, you really can't count on one guy. And um, we talked about Orlando's defense, which has been very good. Offensively has been very, very up and down uh, some nights. The shots fall. Uh, you know, it's amazing what what happens when shots go in. You know, your offense suddenly looks a lot better. You know, it seems like the team gets pretty much the same looks every night, but uh, some nights they're just not shooting the ball very well. You know, there's not it's not a team of great shooters and scorers. So the offense is predicated on ball movement and player movement and uh, taking the right angle on cuts and cutting at the right time. 
uh, Coach Skiles is trying to get the players to understand that if you're going to be a successful team in the postseason, if you can get to the postseason, then you can't be a predictable offense. You have to learn how to play the game of basketball. You know, you have to, to make cuts at the right time, find openings, find weaknesses, and uh, just play basketball. So um, it's, it's kind of a free-flowing offense. And uh, if you move the ball well, if, if players move well and screen well and cut well, then somebody's going to get a good look uh, at some time during the 24-second clock. And then that guy, whoever it is that gets the shot, um, he, it, you know, it's his job to make the shot. So that's kind of where they are right now offensively. You're not, you're not going to see the Magic throw to the ball you know, consistently to one guy and just isolate and hope that that individual can create something for everybody else. It happens for several players throughout the course of a game here and there, but that's not the bread and butter of this team offensively. That's sort of what I've been mentioning about the Celtics throughout the show in that when they don't have their shots falling from the rest of their role players, I think one or two guys on the team tend to start really taking it over for themselves and they get this, the whole team gets discouraged and other players get discouraged. And when those players get discouraged, I've used that word about four times in a row, uh, there's, a few, there's a few guys on the team that really take it into their own hands and that has a pretty detrimental impact on the team and obviously offensively. Are the Magic having that issue as well as a young team? I don't think we've seen too much of that, um, to be honest with you. You know, I think they've pretty much stayed with what uh, the coach is trying to get them to do. I, you know, I understand what you're saying. You know, you have guys that are very competitive, and uh, you know, players, uh, they all have egos, and they all think that, uh, you know, they're, they're terrific offensive players, I'm sure. And, you know, so you have a tendency at, at crunch time maybe to, to want to make that play and, and help your team. It's not a selfish act. It's, you know, it's an unselfish act, but um, it, it's not within the team concept. I think that's tough to fight and uh i think for the most part uh, you know scott skiles has done a pretty good job of convincing these guys to stay with what you're trying to do i, I can't think of too many times when a guy tried to play hero ball and just take over a game that that's really not in the mental makeup uh, of the orlando team right now all right david there's obviously no way we could ask you for a prediction obviously being the play-by-play man but sort of likewise, be very objective, I, I know, I know. Hey, none of them do. I think ESPN even like bans their NFL announcers from making predictions on their show. So we, we got to play that kind of ball game. But here's the best way we can go to go forward with it. Give me your best idea of what the Magic are thinking going into tonight's game by saying we need to stop the Celtics from doing this, that, and this if we want to win. Well, I think they're going to stay with uh, you know with their defensive concepts, try to make it very tough for the Celtics to score in the paint. Um, try to keep uh, the players in un- uncomfortable situations on offense. Uh, that's what they've done when they've been very successful and just kind of play their game. Um, and, and, again, on offense, move the ball and make the shots when they become open. Uh, uh, I think the, the attitude right now is this is the third game of a three-game homestand. Um, it started with New York, Milwaukee, and now Boston. And uh, they, they, they really wanted to come in and win all three of these games. They felt like these were three teams that if they're going to be in a playoff hunt in March and April, these are three teams that probably are going to be in the mix with them. And they felt like they were three very big games. They go on a five-game road trip to the West on Monday. And uh, so, uh, you know, they've got that facing and They have a chance to go over 500 with a win tonight. And uh, they're looking at it as a very, very big game. David Steele, play-by-play voice for the Orlando Magic on Fox Sports Florida. You can follow David on Twitter, at Steel Magic. Thanks so much for stopping by the show. All right, Larry. Enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you, David. Best wishes at the game. Yes, very interesting. You mentioned how the Magic pegged this game, how it is the last leg of a homestand they wish to sweep. 
Whereas I said also at the beginning, I think the Celtics look at this game as arguably their most winnable outside of New Orleans at the very tail end of that road trip next week. But on this tough road trip coming up, I think the Celts are sort of saying to themselves, geez, we're in Miami tomorrow night to face a good Heat team on a back-to-back. Then they got the Kings in Mexico City, not even in the country on Thursday. Then do Spurs, Yanks, and we want to go there on Saturday. Two out of this five would be good, and you kind of look at this Magic game as one of them like, geez, Celtics, got to get this one sort of. I mean, unless you got something out of your hat in these coming days or so. But I think we're going to see right away, right at the start, which team is putting the greater premium going into this game, right in that first quarter, which again, tonight airs 6.05 Eastern time. Check your local listings. If you're here in New England, Comcast Sportsnet New England will carry the game on television. But David of Fox Sports Florida, we thank you for stopping by, as well as Chris Forsberg, two great guests on this show. It's Thanksgiving. We give thanks every week here on Celtics Speed to our guests, our sponsors, and of course, most importantly, the audience. Thank you so much for listening to Celtics Beat week in and week out, or the occasional download. Anything is greatly, greatly appreciated very much. Once again, we cannot reiterate our thanks enough. And it's also now time to give thanks to the rest and all the other credit to those who keep this show chugging along. Music for Celtics Beat was provided by Will Rock, DJ DS, Chuck Dietz, and Steph Ragato. Be sure to follow us on social media. Our Twitter handle is Celtics underscore B. That's at Celtics underscore B. You can like Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio on Facebook to keep up with the show at Facebook.com slash Celtics Beat. Also, Google Plus Celtics Beat on CLNS. We thank them once. We will thank them again. Our guests, Chris Forsberg, ESPN Boston, and David Steele of Fox Sports Florida, Orlando Magic Television play-by-play announcer, as well as our sponsors, Linda, Tick IQ, Harry's, and American Farmers Network for making this all possible. For our staff writer, Eddie Santiago, program director, Nick Gelso, and myself, the executive producer and host of Celtic Speed, I'm Larry H. Russell. See you Wednesday on Unfiltered, and of course next Sunday, another edition of Celtic Speed, powered by CLNS Radio.